Hi, Lydian, compulsive overeater, and uh, hi, and Julie. It sounds like we have the same sponsor because I hate doing that ten step. Uh, my my name uh, Mike is my sponsor, and uh, I uh, I came into Overeaters Anonymous through Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, I'll um, I'll give you my abstinence. Uh, I eat three meals a day with uh, uh, optional snack in between breakfast and lunch lunch and dinner Uh, I refrain from uh, white flour and sugar and uh, I call my sponsor uh, with my food and um, I work with other people uh, which is really important for me Uh, I take uh, other guys through the steps and uh, that's been a really important thing for me. But uh, to qualify, I um, like I said, I came in through Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I I didn't know that if um, you know when I first started that I had a compulsive overeating problem. And I don't know if this is um, true or not, but it it was my perception. When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was told that I could do anything that I want just as long as I didn't pick up a drink which meant I could eat anything I want, I could smoke as much cigarettes as I want, drink as much coffee, and so I did that. I just took off with that. And uh, I ended up uh, getting up to about 210 pounds, and uh, I started um, trying different things to control my weight. Um, I went to Lindora, started getting these vitamin B shots, and I hated doing that, but I did it anyway. And... um, I would lose a little weight and then I would gain it uh, and then I, I would try things like the cabbage soup diet uh, I would try like fruit, uh, fruit fast uh, I would try you know, all these things and they would work for a, a little period of time and then I would go back and gain more weight and uh, you know the book calls um, this phenomenon a peculiar mental twist and what I could do is I can stay on a food plan or a, life, a diet or whatever for a couple days or a couple weeks or a month. But then I get this idea that maybe, you know, I can have fill in the blank, you know, and then I'm off and running again. And uh, I have no power over that, that mental, that peculiar mental twist. The only thing that can save me from that is a conscious contact with a higher power. And um, I didn't know how that was going to work for me because I didn't believe in God when I got into the program. Um, but, the, but the great blessing about the program is that uh, I could, uh, they, they said basically I could, my higher power could be anything that I wanted. It could be a God of my own understanding. It didn't have to be Jesus. It didn't have to be Buddha. It didn't have to be Muhammad. It didn't have to be any of those things. It could be a God of my own understanding. So that's what I did, was I made up a God of my own understanding. I called him the Ancient One. And um, so, um, you know, and and that really, really helped me uh, a lot. Um, But uh, to get, how I got into uh, Overeaters Anonymous is I, um, I I was having problems with my food again. And um, and so I... um, I started praying because I knew that that was kind of the key to it, was praying and asking God for help. So I did that, and I would wake up the next day, and I would continue 
to uh, overeat and eat badly. And uh, it wasn't until I, I called another person and asked for help that uh, God started answering my prayers. And I believe that God works through people. And uh, really the only person that I knew in Overeaters Anonymous was uh, Michael. And um, so I called him and I, I asked him for help. And uh, he basically gave me some real simple directions. He wanted me to call in my food and tell me exactly what I was eating. And he wanted me to go to one meeting a week and because I was going to uh, other meetings as well. So he kind of knew my schedule. And he wanted me to get a commitment at that meeting. And uh, so I did that. And uh, when I started calling in my food, it was really horrible. It was like, you know, I was just being honest. You know, it was like a bag of Doritos, uh, uh, some cookies, uh, some pretzels, and, uh, you know, whatever. You know, whatever it was. And uh, my food plan has kind of been refined over a period of time. I uh, started out that way. And then eventually I started uh, just eating three meals a day, but still eating junk in between or in, in those three meals. And uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of the way my food plan has changed. Uh, I, uh, Diet Cokes were on my food plan. And uh, I was slamming 10 of those down a day. So I knew that I had a problem with Diet Coke. <laughs> so I came up with this idea that I would only drink Diet Cherry Pepsis. Because there was only one place in Burbank that sold those things. So I figured that if I could limit it to that, then I wouldn't drink as many. So I started casing out, I started casing out that place like a liquor store, you know. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the clerk knew exactly what I was going to get. All of it was crazy. So uh, I had to stop uh, using those. And I don't drink uh, diet sodas now. Uh, protein bars were on my food plan. And uh, same thing. I just started going crazy with those, uh, and uh, the way the way I kind of got the well the way I got off sugar and white flour was um, started substituting things. Uh, so, like for uh, uh, sugar, I substituted artificial sweeteners, and uh, that helped for a while. And then I started <laughs> reading about what's in that stuff, <laughs> and so I stopped using that, and I started um, uh, uh, eating fruit. And um, so that's kind of where I get my uh, my sweetness from. But uh, and then I, I kind of had problems with that. I, you know, uh, I started, I you know, I realized that I was eating like six bananas a day. So I, I have this mind that kind of gravitates towards certain things, you know, and I kind of want more and a lot of that, you know. And uh, for white flour, I substituted whole wheat and. Uh, so those things kind of helped me, you know, get off the white flour and sugar. And today, I, I think the only thing that I have for um, um, for wheat is uh, oatmeal. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, what happened for me was I, I had a couple of medical things. And one thing was that, uh, is, who's time in here? Okay, great. Um, so uh, I, I had... Um, this heart palpitation thing uh, that was going on. So what was happening was my heart would stop and then all of a sudden it would go like that and it would do that all the time. And uh, it, was, it was crazy. So I went to a cardiologist. He put me on a, a little uh, tester that I took home with me. Came back and he said, yeah, I know what your problem is. You have an electrical problem with your heart and I can fix that. And I go, great, what do I need to do? And he goes, 
take these. And I go, great. Uh, how long do I take them before I'm off? And he goes, oh, no. Once you start taking these, you're on them for the rest of your life. And I don't take any medication, and, uh, and I don't have any problems with the medical profession at all. So, but I, I didn't want to start going down that road. So what I did was I, I started weighing and measuring my food, and I started exercising, and today I don't have that problem. But I guarantee you, if that didn't work, I would be taking those pills. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, and that was kind of like a game changer for me, was uh, starting to weigh and measuring my food. And um, um, so, I, you know, but part of my problem, that, well, my main problem is when I start eating um, abstinently, that's really when all my problems start, you know. I, I, you know, because it's like, how do I stay on my food plan? How do I stay at a consistent weight? I have never been able to do that. And I've been doing this for about 15 years now. And that's amazing. It, it has nothing to do with me, and it has everything to do with this program. I... Um, so, I mean, the way that I do that is uh, I, I work with other people. I, uh, you know, I try to take them through the steps. I think one of the, the best things that I could possibly do in my life is to try to help somebody find their high, higher power. And I've been able to have a conscious contact with a higher power. You know, like I told you in the beginning, you know, I made up a God of my own understanding. And about like seven years into the program, I started being really honest about that. And I started telling people that, uh, you know, I, I'm just doing what you told me to do. I'm making up a God. But I really don't believe in God. I think that God's working for you, but it's not working for me. And so I started going through the steps again. And I went through the steps with a guy named Clint. Uh, and uh, I had a spiritual awakening. And, uh, and it was really that this simple. Uh, I, I was telling him, he was giving me prayers to say, and I would say those prayers, and I would come back to him and I'd say, you know, Clint, I'm saying these prayers, and, and they just don't mean anything. It feels like I'm talking to the wind. And uh, he said, um, and I told him that when I went to meetings, that I felt comfortable and safe and that everything was going to be okay. And I'll get that feeling when I leave here today, you know. Um, and he goes, well, you know, your, you know, your meetings are your cathedral experience. And I wasn't really sure. What, and at the time we were talking about Bill's story. And in Bill's story, he talks about being in Winchester Cathedral, being much moved. And then he wanders outside and he looks at this tombstone inscription. And, uh, but, he, but he never really talks about being much moved until later in his story. And uh, what happened for me was I had an experience on the way home uh, from Clint's house. And uh, I'll read it to you because uh, I hear people quote the book and sometimes they quote it and um, I go, I don't remember that being in there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, the real significance of the experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since, how blind I had been. And what happened for me was, on the way home, I had this feeling of peace and comfort. And I just I felt like there was a shift in my life, you know. And uh, when I got home, I called Clint, and I, uh, you know, and I didn't want this presence to leave me. And when I called him, I said, I think something happened to me. And before I could say another word, he goes, yeah, when it happened to me, 
I was at a convention and I would keep going back into my hotel room and I would keep saying, are you with me? Are you with me? And I, and I had that same experience, so I knew that I was onto something. And I've had that feeling all my life. You know, I just didn't know what it was, you know. And today, you know, my higher power is peace. When I have peace in my life, I'm connected with my higher power. And when I don't have peace in my life, I, I have tools to deal with that to get me back into peace, you know. Uh, you know, one of my biggest problems today is... Um, uh, emotional benders and I you know when I when I heard that in the meetings you know I thought you know somebody must be going to a psychiatrist because I had never heard of that in the big book and it's not in the big book it's in the 12 and 12 <laughs> so it wasn't until I started going to 12 and 12 meetings that I started hearing about that you know and I I would get you know bent out of shape with character defects uh, in my uh, abstinence and uh those are the things that lead me back to eating. And I just didn't know it, you know, like back... You know, I've been to HAL-OA and, uh, you know, I tried that and I, I just couldn't stay, stay with it. And the reason why was because I wasn't working a program, really, you know. And today, I, um, I'm just so blessed. I have, uh, I mean, I have uh, peace and serenity in my life. Um, I... Uh, you know, I, I basically pray and meditate in the morning. I, I've been doing that for a long time. I, and, and, and meditation has kind of changed for me. I, you know, at first I started, um, when I first started doing it, I would sit on the edge of my bed and my wife would be sleeping and I would be thinking these horrendous thoughts. I mean, like having sex with other women and, and all these other things and I, I said to myself this cannot be what meditation is <laughs> but what I did was I, I, I kept I kept trying you know and, and, and so what and today uh, what, what meditation is for me uh, is that I focus on my breathing I get thoughts in my head and then I clear away those thoughts and I focus on my breathing those thoughts come back in I focus on my breathing and it's just that interplay and I hear people tell me all the time I can't meditate because my head's so busy and that's the perfect perfect candidate for meditation I mean I for me it's, it's just that, that give and pull and, and you know I thought maybe like if I meditated for a certain period of time I'd be able to levitate or, or so, you know I had no idea where it was going to lead me but I accept the idea that I'm going to keep having thoughts come into my mind and, and that I just focus on my breathing and calm down and, and what meditation does for me today is that whenever I'm distressed I, I can get back to that place where I'm focusing on my breathing and I can calm down and I can, and I can wait for an intuitive thought, which is usually call my sponsor and let them know what's going on with me, you know. So, um, I, um, is, is my, I feel like I've been... Nine minutes. Okay. Uh, so, uh, let's see. And, um, I mean, I can talk forever. So, <laughs> so uh, the, the, spirit, the spiritual part of the program has been really difficult for me. And uh, I, um, I've had to really, really lean into that. 
Because I, um, on the Natch, I am not, I am not the kind of person that wants a spiritual program. I mean, I when when those uh, nine step promises are read, most of those things, it's like I have no interest in those things at all. I have no interest in other people, uh, what the, other people's lives or any of that. You know, and, and then at the end of it, it says, uh, these will always materialize if you work for them. And it's like, I, I, don't, I really don't want that. But I've had to work for those things. I had to really focus on uh, trying to help other people when I really don't want to help other people. You know, um, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I first got into the program, this has been a great blessing for me and a great uh, uh, lesson for me, too. Is when I first got into the program, I, uh, you know, I didn't want to be there, you know, because I, I really came out here to be a rock star. My real name is Robert Plunkett. Uh, I, I came, you know, came, I changed my name and uh, came out here to be a rock star and ended up in the program. So, yeah. So, um, but so, you know, when I got when I got into the program, I just didn't want to be here. And 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 when I got here, they told me to show up to the meetings. And show up early, and I didn't want to do that, but I did it anyway. They told me to get a sponsor, and I thought at the time a sponsor was somebody like my stepfather. And when I first started in the program, uh, I hated my stepfather. And since then, I've made amends to him, and I call him dad. He's the only father that I've ever had. And uh, but I, but I did that anyway. I got a sponsor, uh, and you know the meetings that I go to, you know, they told me to get a commitment. And if you don't know what a commitment is, a commitment is like a little job that you do at the meetings. And commitments have been really important for me um, with my job. Uh, I do sound at Universal Studios, and doing commitments haven't taught me how to do sound. But what they taught me how to do is to show up and do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it. And I was, in the beginning, I was so bad at commitments. I would get a commitment and, uh, and I would flake on those commitments and I, I would do it sometimes and sometimes I wouldn't. And the group that I go to, you know, if you do that, they fire you off of the commitment and they get somebody else, you know. So, and that would happen to me time and time again and I would keep trying. And uh, so I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that uh, my life didn't start changing for the better until I started listening to somebody else's ideas about my life and I started doing those things. I, okay. uh, I've been running my life all my life and getting the same crappy results. But it wasn't until I listened to somebody else's ideas about my life and I started doing those things that my life started changing for the better. And um, I, um, today I... Uh, you know, my life is so blessed. I, I, uh, my daughter just had a, a, a baby, so I'm a grandfather. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the healthiest that I've ever been. You know, uh, you know my food plan basically today is um, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and fish. And the way that I came about that was that I, I have a lot of friends in the program who are getting older. And when they get older and they get sick, they go to the doctor and the doctors tell them, okay, I want you to eat fresh fruits and vegetables and, and fish. And, and I said to myself, why in the hell would I wait until I got sick until I started doing that? You know? so, uh, so I basically started doing that, and that's my food plan today. And uh, like I said, this program has given me a life that I 
cannot believe. And if you're new here, I, I, I beg you to just stay here and uh, work the steps, help other people, and uh, live a good life. Thank you. This is time for questions only. There's no uh, sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with uh, any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I shared with you today are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking, when asking questions, you may need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice will be audible in the OA podcast. Uh, okay. Any questions? Okay, uh, the question is, how did I get off sugar? Um, you know, <clears throat> like I said, I, you know, it was really like a substitution thing, you know. Um, uh, I, I can remember committing to Michael non-sugar pies and non-sugar candy. You know, and and that's just kind of the way it was. You know, I mean, it wasn't non-trick. I mean, it had artificial sweeteners in it, and I would use that in my coffee and stuff like that. And um, then eventually, I started, um, you know, looking for other ways of sweetening. Like I would put honey in my coffee, and then I started having a problem with that. You know, so. Uh, and I, I have an orange tree in my backyard, and uh, I would make a pitcher of, of just raw orange juice and drink, you know, huge glasses. And I, I started looking at the calorie count in that, and it was incredible. I, I just so you know, I, I now have an orange tree in the backyard that, that doesn't get used. And so I mean, I so it's been it's been a process for me. But that, that's basically how I started, was I, I started using artificial sweeteners, and then um, eventually I started going to fruit, and then I started, you know, being very careful about the fruit. <laughs> but I hope that answers your question. Thanks for your share. Sure. So when you started committing your food honestly, uh -huh. were you embarrassed or ashamed of that? And if so, how did you... Uh, no, I mean, I, I um, Michael kind of gave me a really broad field, you know, to start off with, you know. I mean, because because I didn't have to really come up with a food plan in the beginning, and he just wanted me to be honest. I think that he kind of like laid out for me the the importance of being honest, you know. And and it, and it holds me in good stead today. I'm totally transparent with with my food with him today, and and I think it was because I, I didn't start out with a food plan at first, but I was just being honest with him about my food, and then he started guiding me to uh, a food plan, you know. And within that context, I continued to be honest about my food, you know. So yeah. Um, can you kind of describe how you were able to? Well, as your food plan changed over time, changes over time, how are you able to focus on the progress aspect of it instead of just, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, I ate this or that, but I'm not comfortable, so screw it, I'll just 
start over from day one, or you know, how, how do you keep a positive progression mentally with your changing food plan over time? Oh, okay, so the question was, uh, how do I how do I keep up? Uh, how how do you um, how do you keep moving forward with your plan instead of say screw it when you you know aren't one hundred percent comfortable with something you ate? Okay. How do I keep moving forward with my food plan if I'm not, when I'm not comfortable 100% with all the food? Okay. Um, I, um, I, I don't know. I, it's, um, I think it has a lot to do with having a higher power. Uh, I mean, and I've gotten to the point where uh, if I've gotten like some, some weird behavior behind food, like, you know, like the 10 diet sodas, you know, I can I can really kind of realize that that's a, that's an issue. And by talking to my sponsor about it, you know, uh, that it becomes really obvious. And uh, I, you know, I I basically use a higher power to help me with that. You know, one of the things that I do with God is. Um, and I didn't used to do this, but I, I, I talk to God. I actually have conversations with God. So I, you know, I kind of look over my shoulder to make sure that nobody's around because I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, like uh, they think I'm crazy or anything. But, but I actually have conversations, you know, and about my food and uh, about problems that are going on. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I, I just started doing was thanking God whenever I have problems. And the reason why I do that is because um, usually when I have problems, the last thing I want to do is get in touch with a higher power. I want to deal with it myself. I can, I can deal with it myself. You know? But when I thank God for the problem, then I start inviting God into that solution. You know? And um, I, I really don't know if this is answering your question, but you know, one of the things that um, I do is I weigh myself once a month and uh, like uh, like recently, you know, I have a goal weight, and uh, I was up like five pounds consistently for like a, a couple months. So I started making modifications in my food plan, you know. And what and what what's important for me is I have to have some kind of understanding about food. I I, I this is my opinion. I, I I feel like I need to know what a carb is. I need to know what. Uh, protein is, uh, you know, I, I need to know what calorie counts are in those things, and uh, I use this app called My Fitness Pal, and uh, I log in things there, and uh, it gives me a really good idea of where I'm at, you know, because I, I, I have, I don't know if I can have a healthy body weight if or maintain a healthy body weight if I don't know how many calories I'm taking in. Because from what I understand, it's really science. It's like if, if I'm not burning up enough calories then I'm, and I'm taking in a huge amount of calories, then I'm going to gain weight. It's really that simple, you know. And so I'll give you an example. Like I exercise four days a week. And, um, and, I, and it it's involves weights and, and things like that. And uh, but what I do is like every couple of months I give myself a, a two weeks break and I do yoga for uh, for four days a week uh, for two weeks and during that time I know that I'm not burning up a lot of calories so what I do is I modify my food plan for that for just that two two week period and you know like I'm 58 years old 
and I work at a computer like 11 hours a day. So I really don't need a lot of food, you know, because I'm just sitting around drilling, you know. So um, anyway, I, I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but uh, thank you. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for your share. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about the, the, what you mentioned, the emotional bender? Um, let me know which step, I assume it's A, 12 and 12, where, where it's discussed. And if you recognize that you're on an emotional bender or you feel like you're in danger of going on one, what are some of the program tools you use to either get out of it or prevent it? Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, the question is, what do, what do I do to get out of the emotional benders, and, and how am I aware of those things? Um, so I'll give you an example. Just recently, I had a, a family friend who um, was who basically just came into our lives uh, uh, like maybe ten years ago. And I have a, a mother-in-law who lives in Santa Barbara who's sitting on a really nice piece of property up there that's paid for, that overlooks the Riviera. She has a bunch of money in her bank account. And uh, this friend was going up there, and, and he's friends with her, and he was, like, living in her house. And I started getting this idea that he was trying to move in on my wife's inheritance. So I... And, and what, what sparked it was... Uh, my mother-in-law is uh, in a, re- a retirement house, and so uh, this guy was up there on business, and he was staying at uh, uh, at our family's house. And uh, the the person that he was doing business with in Santa Barbara had actually said that he could stay at their house, but he chose to stay at our family's house. So. Uh, my wife and I wanted to get away for a weekend, so we went up there, and we wanted to stay at the house by ourselves. But this person was there, and it just pissed me off to no end. And I just, uh, I, I mean, every time I thought of him, I just, it just sent me, and you know, I was just so angry. And and I. Um, I mean, it was really obvious that I had a problem with this, you know, and, and it wasn't him, you know, because uh, and, uh, my wife was okay with it, my, my sister-in-law was okay with it, my mother-in-law was okay with it, but I wasn't okay with it, you know, and um, so I knew that I had a problem with it, you know, it was my problem, and uh, what I did was I talked to my sponsor about it, and um, I did a fourth step on it, I, I became aware of what my character defects were. I was angry. Uh, and, and my character defects are, um, uh, you know, I, I relate them more to what Bill talks about in the 12-12. He relates them more to the seven deadly sins. And I can identify with that a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, like anger, uh, pride, uh, greed, you know, those were my character defects. And so what, uh, what I did was I read those, uh, I read my fourth step to my sponsor, and he gave me direction on what to do. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Uh, and um, he told me to basically uh, pray and forgive this guy. And when he told me to do that, I, it was like, how do you do that? 
How do you do that? And, and I started going on the internet like how to forgive. <laughs> and, and, you know, I would get these things like people would like uh, have one of the relatives killed and uh, they would, you know, talk about their forgiveness of this, the person. that. Killed. And it's like my problem isn't that bad, but I still didn't. I couldn't get it. And then I heard somebody share about um, bringing the spirit of love. To, to, some, to somebody and, and, and for some reason that just clicked for me and I go well I know what that is so maybe I can bring the spirit of forgiveness and, and, and so I, I started doing that I started mentally thinking about that and then what happened was I, I saw this guy recently at um, a, an Al-Anon party that I was at and it was so obvious that God had put, put this person in, in my life for that reason you know uh, and so basically what I did was I, I called my sponsor and I said, you know, this person's here. What do you think I should do? You know, no, actually, I, I was talking to um, a guy that I sponsored that was there. And I, I told him the whole story and uh, I go, I don't know what I should do. Maybe I should talk to him. And he goes, yeah, I think maybe you should. You know, so uh, when, when I had a moment, you know, I pulled him aside and I said, you know, uh, I, I just don't want... You know, I have a, a lot of character defects, and I just want to make sure that uh, that my character defects aren't getting in the way of our friendship. You know, and he goes, "Yeah, you know, I I, I have a lot of character defects too, and 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 I don't want those to get in the way of our friendship either." And that's basically what happened. And and today I can see that guy, and I I feel okay about it. You know, and um, so anyway, that's that's an example of how I've dealt with that. Uh, what does step three look like for me Uh, I do that on a daily basis Um, and uh, what you know like there's a couple things um, like this definition of OA abstinence to me that's that's like perfection and that's what I kind of move towards you know Uh, and God for me is is perfection like ultimate perfection you know, and I, what I try to do is I try to strive for that perfection, you know. And um, this is one thing that I believe, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what I believe. I believe that God's will for me is to stay sober and not drink, uh, drink alcohol or use drugs and to stay abstinence. And then, then it's up to me to figure out how do I align my will with God's will. And one of the one of the ways is me showing up today. I really feel that me showing up today, if God's will for me is to stay abstinence, abstinent, then me showing up to this meeting is doing God's will. You know, uh, when somebody calls me and and uh, is checking in their food, me picking up the phone and answering that is God's will because I'm aligning my will with God's will for me to stay abstinent. Uh, when I'm taking somebody through the steps. You know, that's another solid way of me trying to do God's will, you know. Um, there's, there's really concrete ways of me to align my will with God's will. But, I, but I, I, I had to have some kind of idea of what God's will for me was. And like I said, you know, that may not be true. God's will for me may not be for me to be abstinent or stay sober. But it's what I believe, you know, and then it's up to me to just to try to do everything that I can to make that 
demonstration, truth, you know. How do you know when uh, you have a problem that to talk to your AAs, sponsors, or lawyers? Uh, how do I know when I have a problem whether to uh, talk to my AA sponsor or my OA pro- uh, sponsor? Um, I believe what Chuck Chamberlain used to say. There's no divisions in my life. I don't have like OA problems and I don't have AA problems. You know, I kind of lump it all together. And, and, and thank you. And, and what I do is I call my AA sponsor on a daily basis and I call my OA sponsor on a daily basis and I check in. I'm, I'm totally transparent with everything that I do with both of those men, you know. And um, like I said, there, there's really no division, you know. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll, uh, I'll tell Michael something and, uh, and, and I'll let him know that I'm telling Charlie, you know, what the same thing. And sometimes he'll defer and he'll go, well, you know, uh, you know, why don't you listen to what Charlie's going to tell you to do? And then sometimes he'll give me direction and I just do what he tells me, you know. So uh, it really doesn't matter, you know, who the messenger is. (laughs) So. Thanks. Um, Could you uh, talk about your experience making amends? Okay. Uh, Can I talk about uh, experiences making uh, amends? one amends that I had to make was um, I made amends to my uh, my real father, and uh, what I did was, and, and you know I um, I acted really badly with him because he left when I was two years old and I didn't know why, and then when I was 16 years old he came back he tried to come back into my life and and I just really wouldn't have it you know I just I go you know you you kind of wrote me off so I'm going to write you off you know. And uh, I, I can distinctly remember this. Um, he called me when he was about 40 years old, and I was here, and he was dying, and uh, and he wanted, and he just wanted to tell me, you know, that he was dying, and he wanted to, and I was like shut down. It was like, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, okay, bye, and I just. Um, I just um, never really gave him a chance, you know. Um, and so uh, what I was told to do was um, <clears throat> to write a letter to him. And um, so I did. And uh, I went back to uh, Kentucky where he was buried. He was buried in uh, uh, Camp Nelson. And um, so I went back there and... And I took my kids back there with me, and um, I took out the letter, and uh, and I read it to him. And um, and you know, today I'm okay with him. You know, yeah, thanks. Hi. Thank you very much. Yeah. Could you talk about how you incorporated? 
the lighter side of life and having fun and uh, recreation and hobbies and um, you know that that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, the question is, how do I incorporate uh, the lighter side? Uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of have a problem with this, you know, I, and because um, I really can take myself serious, way too seriously. And I can really take, um, you know, um, just life way too serious. But I have, um, I have a wife that is just really incredible. You know, she has... Uh, a wonderful sense of humor, um, and uh, she she used to be really sarcastic, which really I, I hated. But now I can see the humor in it. And I have a, a son who lives with me too, and 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 they have uh, a really good sense of humor. So they uh, they kind of keep me on the light side, you know. And and um, and you know another thing too is that I remember. Um, uh, the real reason why I got my um, my uh, AA sponsor is simply because of that, and in uh, in the, the group that I belong to, uh, you know, a big part of that. Uh, I remember hearing Charlie speak, uh, and he was so funny, and I remember laughing at his talk. And I go, well, hell, if uh, if I can laugh, I might have a chance at making it at this in this program. And you know, um, my A group is the Pacific group, and uh, I remember going to the yard and uh, being with Clancy, and and him just cracking me up at some of the things that he would say. And once again, I just you know I figured that if I could laugh, you know I could I could make it here, you know. And uh, and I've been hanging around those people ever since, you know, and they they keep me laughing. So you know, and Michael does <laughs> so. Anyway, that, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, that's kind of 